So SHEO was founded in 2015 by Vicki Saunders up in Canada. She was seeing that 4% that of venture capital goes to, to women-led ventures. So she came up with this crazy idea to give zero interest loans paid back over five years. And the way that the fund is built, it's 500 women in a country contributing $1,100. And they then select five women-led ventures through their gut. The average revenue increase or success rate is 300%. And the other really cool thing is there's a lot of indigenous women involved from here and in Canada. There's a woman who just bought an airplane. She's doing her first women-owned indigenous airlines. I mean, it's really <laughs> inspiring women that are getting involved. I call it the gateway drug to investing. Welcome to episode 126 of Be The Drop a weekly podcast sharing stories from inspiring people so we can learn from their experiences. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. The percentage of venture capital funding awarding to female-founded startups is incredibly low. SHEEO was established to address this by creating a global community of women radically transforming how we finance, support and celebrate female innovators. Julie Trell is the country lead for SHEEO in Australia, as well as the global head for Murray D, a startup accelerator investing in early stage startups. Julie is well-versed in startups on a global stage, as well as having personal investment in the startup space. In today's episode of Be The Drop, I speak to Julie about her startup journey with Salesforce and her current work in the startup ecosystem in Australia. Julie discusses the opportunities available to female founders, the positive and supportive communities that are developing, and the importance of empathy and humanism in the age of technology. Recorded live from Southstart, this is Julie's version of Be The Drop. Would you like to join me on a creative podcasting journey? Then head along to my first ever Adelaide Fringe show called Pop Your Podcast Cherry, an interactive podcasting event on Tuesday 19th or 26th of February at The Jade. Tickets are only $20 each and are available via the Fringe website, linked in the show notes. I would love to see you there. Thank you, Julie, so much for joining me on our next episode of Be The Drop. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. I'm thrilled to be here. Love Adel Adelaide. Yeah, fantastic. And you're joining us from Sydney, uh, but that's not your original start point, but we'll get to that in a minute. But you have come across to Adelaide for South Start, and you've been talking about two things, SHEEO and Murray D. Did I say that right? Yeah, Murray D. It's Murray an D. Ad Indigenous word. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about both of those, what you're doing, and exciting things that are on the horizon and opportunity. Before we get into that, perhaps give us a little bit of a journey. You said there's an interesting story around how you came to be in the position you're at. So if you could share that with us. Sure. So um, I grew up in Connecticut, about 45 minutes outside of New York City, then went to school in Atlanta and was a classroom teacher and a technology specialist. And in 1998, I ran into this gentleman named Mark Benioff, who was a senior executive at Oracle at the time. And he knew he wanted to leave Oracle, start a new company that was going to sell software over the web, also known as SaaS 
Well, 18 years later, that company is called Salesforce, salesforce.com. <laughs> I was hired to help start the Salesforce Foundation. So when he talked about wanting to bridge the digital divide, and I said to him if he was going to deal with kids and technology to hire teachers. Little did I know that was my interview, and he said, why don't you move from Atlanta to come help me start the Salesforce Foundation in San Francisco. That was in 2000. So I grew up at, a, at this startup called Salesforce, which mm. now has 30,000, 40,000 people globally, and yeah. it's a pretty amazing technology. <laughs> um, so I was there for 12 years. Uh, I was VP of all things fun, meaningful, and rewarding, so that was a really fun title that I got to have. Yeah. And did a little work after that once. It was at another tech company in the space helping to build their foundation. And then I decided to go out on my own and working with companies how to build these kind of programs. And the universe provided me this job opportunity that showed up on Facebook. I had a friend in London that said that her friend in Sydney was looking for someone to fill her flip-flops. This is the job description. I like flip-flops. <laughs> she was English. So this, um, this woman happened to be Annie Parker, who was the predecessor at Mira D. She, she led Mira D. And um, the job description was this very human-centric Description, looking for someone that has the gravitas to help work, work with and convince and talk with, influence corporates, was excited and knew about and danced in the startup ecosystem, was more concerned about the success of others than their own personal gain. I'm like, this is, this is awesome. So I thought about it. I went to sleep and I imagined myself in Sydney. I hadn't even talked to Annie yet and I was really excited. But then I woke up and I had that voice, that voice is like, you don't have all those skill sets. You don't have all the requirements. You know, as that female, a lot of us say, oh, I can't do it. Whereas a man would be like, I got three, I could do it. <laughs> so hearing those stories, I said, you know what, I'm gonna put that aside. I'm gonna have the conversation anyway. There's, there's, I'm gonna try this. And here I am. Mm -hmm. And then I moved last March to help run the Telstra Accelerator. It's called Miru D. So Miru is an indigenous word for pathway, pathway towards digital. And we've had 128 companies through the portfolio. About 85-ish percent are still around. Last, our last cohort had 70% female co-founders or founders. So for you, that fo there is this focus around female co-founders. And yesterday, I know you presented some numbers um, that there just isn't, you know, that many of them. And you're really looking to sort of turn that around. Well, it was more so that they, they are out there. They're just not getting the funding. 4% uh, of venture capital goes to, to women-led ventures, or to women, which is, which is not enough. And the conversations are having, talking about, it's a different kind of conversation when a woman has to pitch for, for investment. So that was my talk yesterday was, everything is broken, what a great time to be alive. And looking at uh, challenges as opportunities. And so the other thing that I'm doing, my side job, is help to launch a fund called SheEO. So SheEO was founded in 2015 by Vicki Saunders up in Canada. She was seeing that, the, that money just wasn't getting to, to women in the right way. And it's not just about money, it was also the support and the network. So she came up with this crazy idea to give zero interest loans and that's paid back over five years. And the way that the fund is built, it's 500 women in a country to contributing $1,100. So the women that are contributing are not investors, they're not donors, they're called activators because they're activating their capital, their buying power, their network, and their expertise. And they then select five women-led ventures through their gut. It's not financial modeling or any of these, you know, these things. Who would you buy from? Who do you support? Who's really making an impact in the world? And it's been in four countries, and we were just launching in Australia, and so I'm excited to say that we've got some amazing momentum. We're not there yet, uh, but it's, it's, I'm looking for women that want to take this risk, risk 
It's not really a big risk. It's, you know, a couple of dinners, a couple of pairs of shoes some people have, uh, <laughs> have, have equating it to. But how, creating this new way of getting capital to, to women. So when our daughters, our granddaughters, our nieces are starting to start their own companies, because that's the way people are going rather than to corporate, there's amazing stories of women from New Zealand who were trying to launch stuff in Australia. And since we had this network going, they reached out and helped them launch some stuff here. Flying to, you need to go to San Francisco to meet X, Y, and Z. There's a whole network of activators in San Francisco, so it's really connecting people. And the other really cool thing is there's a lot of indigenous women involved from here and in Canada. There's a woman who, an indigenous woman who has just bought an airplane. She's doing her first women-owned indigenous airline. Right, and I'm, I imagine you know there's so many incredible stories that you get to hear and be a part of. Yeah, the the average um, revenue increase or success rate is 300 percent. These these 32 ventures that have been in the in the portfolio, they're getting um, support from from all these women. They're, some of the women who are activators are joining boards, are joining the companies. They're making these connections, and also the companies that apply that haven't gotten in, they have 500 women looking at their stuff. It's it's the most it's an incredible business development opportunity mm. and it, I call it the gateway drug to investing there's follow-on funding you can see how these companies are doing and, and really getting involved and I am excited about playing with a lot of the other female focused organizations yeah I like that you know bringing the collaboration together because I feel that we can create a, a bigger economy of scale that way yeah. yeah and that's that's something interesting that I've learned being down in Australia everyone's fighting for the same crumbs and they were hiding what they were doing and nobody was playing together and I couldn't understand why so we started the, the hive mind of accelerators to talk to one another to understand oh we could be a pipeline to you you can be a pipeline to us and so we're building that um, that collaboration. But the reason is, I, I, I recognize, is um, Australia only has 25 million people, um, whereas in the US it's 330 million. That's a big difference. Mm. And I, someone you know, said, we're all, everyone's fighting for the same crumbs here. We're, like you said, where can we make this bigger pie so we can all work together? Because we're all essentially trying to make Australia a more thriving, um, healthy economy. You know, you've had a couple of really great job titles and you've talked very much about human-centric sort of focus within a tech space. And interestingly, a number of speakers here at South Start today, like, you know, over this conference, have been, you know, I've been getting that the, the flavour around this human-centric in a technology space. Can you talk a little bit more around that? Yeah, so that's what's driving. Our technology is fun and sexy, but at this age of this experience, the connection, the empathy is really important. And I think that's what drives me. I, I say that my superpower is empathy. It's also my kryptonite. <laughs> um, so connecting with people is really important. Um, some of the tools that we use as far as being human is learning from our mistakes and celebrating mistakes. And I've done, I work with a lot of the, the teams with Mira D, we do improv, but I try not to call it improv because that's really confronting and scary. <laughs> oh my God, I can be on stage and be funny. What improv does and the principles of improv, it's, it's help you be prepared for the unexpected and to be able to think on your feet. So you're in an elevator with this investor that you've been trying to meet forever. How do you tell your story quickly? How do you answer that question um, without having to have a PowerPoint deck? So really being able to do that and saying yes and. So instead of saying no and shutting things down, saying yes and this is how I can add to it. The other one that I really love is uh, making your partner look good. If you're going to make them look good, they're going to make you look good. And that's a, that some of the, the games that you play on stage and acting is, in improv is, is really supportive and to being human and being authentic and being relatable. 
One of the women today on the panel, I forgot which one it was, has said something about you got to take the risk. You know, it's not, nothing's going to happen unless you take a risk and you have an idea, step out there, try it, test it, be okay that if it doesn't go right, learn from it and move on and pivot. I think it's, there's a different um, acceptance or view of failure here in Australia, whereas in Israel or in, in the US, it's, it's a little bit more acceptable. So the risk is less risky. Mm -hmm. And once we can get that that's okay, it'll be easy to iterate and learn from and people will be willing, will have a lower tolerance to risk or higher, higher tolerance to risk. Mm. And, and, and you also mentioned there, like, you know, the idea that you need to be able to verbalize your elevator pitch um, quickly and without, you know, reference to slides or other sort of materials. What sort of advice do you give around how to really do that well? Well, advice that I need to take myself. I, I struggled. I was procrastinating everything to practice my talk and I relied on, on this, you know, my own little voice in my head, just practicing and knowing it feeling it and believing it and know when it's yours you'll be able to talk about it better but you know there's nothing wrong with practicing trying you know little snips with family with uh, whoever you're working with your teammates and it starts to come natural mm -hmm. and listening also so listen, knowing who your audience is because your talk your pitch or your conversation to a VC is going to be very different to a customer to be very different to someone you're about to hire so that you know what are the key things you think that really grab you know grab you if you if you're a, a VC like what is going to make you pay attention if someone's giving a pitch what are some of these things that really stand out the person the person on stage they always say you invest in the in the founder um, there's a lot of stuff the product or I might not fully understand, but if I can see passion from the founder, they have a story behind it, why they solved it, that they're committed to it, that they have you know, sacrificed a lot um, and, and they want to make this really successful and, and see a future is something that I really, really look at. And you mentioned that, you know, they've got the story of a problem that they solved. How important is that aspect in there? Oh, definitely. I like I like to look at products, at companies, at services that are solving things like big social social problems versus, you know, that they're real that they're penicillins and not necessarily vitamins like a nice to have. There's a space for them. But for me, I really look at I like the the ag techs helping with farmer and agriculture agriculture and food or ed tech. Being a former classroom teacher, I think you know finding the right tools to disrupt or redesign education is really important. Here's the problem. Here's how I'm solving it. Here's how the world is going to look better, different because my company is in it. And in five years, this is what it's, the world is going to look like. So take me on that journey. Take your investors on that journey. Take your customers on that journey. Uh, the other thing that is exceptionally important is know your customers. You know, know do they need this? Will they be very upset if the if the product is no longer around? testing them out to see the reaction and really listening to your customers, not sit in your own echo chamber. So for you then, where do you see the state of play for entrepreneurs, startup tech in Australia? Where are we going? What things need to happen to help facilitate that? Well, first I wanna go into the word play, which is a very important word in my world. Um, that play is very important, that growth mindset, that state of curiosity is really important. I actually, one thing that we do is, and I watch this, it's so fun to take the founders to another startup ecosystem system happens to be San Francisco, the Bay Area, to light a fire to see what it takes to hustle. So what has been the biggest challenges for you along the way? 
Uh, which one? So, uh, well, <laughs> the Shigia would be perfect clients. It's interesting. Everyone loves the idea. I want to get involved. But that conversion rate, it's sales. You know, mm -hmm. how do we get them to convert? Getting people to really understand and taking that risk and stepping out of comfort zones. I think that's been a challenge. Um, yeah, li again, it's listening. It's what is it, what will resonate with your customers, with the activators, um, you know, to be involved. It's not a, it's not a recruitment. It's a, it's a, it's an invitation. Yesterday, you said something that you were positively occupied. Um, I'd really like you to explain that concept because I, it's a great one. Really resonates. Yeah. So um, when people say, "Oh my God, I'm so busy," this came from actually going to visit my friends back at Salesforce. So while Salesforce has a very high bar, you know, and all that, it's very hard workers. When I hear people saying, oh, I'm crazy busy, it's, it's hard, it makes my skin curl sometimes because it means that their priorities, they don't have the priorities in, this, in space, they don't, have, they don't have time for me, that's what I'm hearing. Like it's not a badge of honor to be busy. So I decided to reframe it and say positively occupied. Like I'm occupied, I'm choosing to do what I wanna do, I like what I'm doing. So changing that mindset that just in language alone has been helpful. And so for you in your journey, being part of Salesforce from that early conception stage to, but 12 years with that company as it really grew and is now like a, you know, it's a big international well-known platform. You know, what are some of the key takeaways from that time and your experience with that? So because of Salesforce, I have a very high bar with a lot of things to see because things are possible. When you have, when Mark Benioff, for instance, would say three days before the big Dreamforce conference, and this is when there were only 500 people, you know, I want to see it snow in the, in the conference room. I'm like, you're crazy. It's not, but he said it and it happened. Like things would happen and it, everything is possible. I've also learned from Salesforce to be maniacally focused on the customer. They listen to their customers, they do marketing around the customer. The customers are their marketing. Stories, the stories of customers is really important. Can you explain that a little bit and how that works? Yeah, sir. So, so instead of me getting up on stage and talking about Mirror D and why you should come, I have the founders that have been through the program. They are proof that it's been successful for them. Same thing with CEO. I have what's called super activators in different states and they're so excited about it. So it's not just me and that people are hearing it from other voices from other from other angles uh, for instance if you look on LinkedIn there's a lot of people that have updated their LinkedIn that they're CEO activators and because of that that starts conversations and this is why I'm in and here's here's my reason for being in and so they're all different reasons it's not one and done and and letting them explain what what's important to them it builds trust that way that exactly yeah yeah, yeah. thank you so much for joining me Julie Thanks. in conclusion though can you share with me a be the drop tip so that's your top tip for communication that connects yeah I'm gonna go back to the, the principles of improv that I've that I've used that I you know playing some of those games saying yes and listening um, so one of the for an example I give this example of um, if you're doing a scene, let's say we are playing, we're doing a scene, and, and I'm, I'm thinking, ooh, I'm on the beach drinking a pina colada, and the partner comes out and says, ooh, isn't it cold up here on the mountain? I gotta go on the mountain. Like, I have to, because they started the scene, just going and listening and, and, and saying yes and to whatever happens. Mm. I, I really like that saying yes and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. 
Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that.